0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Lowdown. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the Director of Player Development at FC Cincinnati, Larry Sunderland. Larry, welcome to the show. Hi, Connor. Really good to be here. Uh, Looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah, it's been great to finally get you on (laughs) after (laughs) a few months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Larry, as we do with everybody who comes on the show, we ask them, I mean, how did you manage to cultivate a passion for the game? which I'm more intrigued to hear more so in your case, seeing as you grew up in the United States, of course, at a time where predominantly soccer or football, as we call it, wasn't the most popular sports.
1: Yeah. You know, interesting. I grew up in New York, uh, just outside New York. Um, and I I'm, I'm a little unique because I grew up in the game. My dad was, um, involved in the game and my, my dad was, uh, know is is american uh u.s citizen born in born in the u.s um he was involved in a lot of different athletics he was an athletic director at a university um, but he just became passionate about soccer and he was i guess you could call him one of the kind of the founders of the growth of the game in the u.s um he helped to bring the new york cosmos to new york he uh, developed a lot of the, the college soccer programs in the US, founded something that was called the Senior Bowl, where the best college seniors came together and um, played and were hopefully drafted into pro teams. And, and that was really where, where it started for me. He founded our, our local youth club and then I just started playing from the time I could walk. I was playing and he was a college coach. So I was around a lot of foreign players and, uh, just, you know, on the field, kicking the ball around after the games. And it just grew into a passion of mine and a love of mine. And, um, I played for a long time. Uh, I played professionally for about 13 years, but I always knew I was going to be a coach. Um, always was preparing to be a coach, um, slash teacher as I was playing the game. Um, and then things kind of just fell in line when I, when I finished playing and I was fortunate, you know, to meet the right people and to be in the right places at the right time, just to have some opportunities that uh, enabled me to be kind of where I'm at now.
0: Of course, and it sounds like you didn't really have too much of a choice in the matter, being surrounded by football at such a young age. But um, one intriguing point there, uh, Larry, you mentioned is you always knew that you were gonna be a coach. You were even preparing to be a coach whilst you were playing. I mean, how young did that realization come across yourself was it during your playing days or was it a more conscious aware choice when you were younger
1: yeah i i I can tell you exactly when it happened um i was 15 years old um playing playing high school soccer um and you know i was probably an average player as as a 14 15 year old um and i i had I, i got the opportunity to work um a camp that summer to work a soccer camp in upstate new york it was called uh, camp all america um it was run by the u.s national team coach at that time walter Chiswick, um and it was a, an overnight camp and I, I spent a number of weeks working there and i i was basically I, I i shagged balls i did whatever the the senior coaches wanted me to do um and i got a real taste for being around these some of the best coaches in the United States at that time. I got a real taste for for coaching, and I loved what they were doing. I loved being around them. And then, as a byproduct of this, um, he had national team players from England working the camp, U.S. national team players, and every night when all the campers would go to sleep, we would play. And I was fortunate enough, as a 15 year old, to be playing with some of these guys that were national, you know, national team capped players from around the world. And I improved so much just by being around them um, both as a player and in my understanding of the game that I knew the two things I wanted to do is I wanted to become a professional player and I wanted to be a coach. I knew those. I just knew at that point that that was my pathway. And then I began to prepare for that both as a player and as a coach. And ever since that point at 15, I worked camps whenever I could during my offseason season. When I was playing, anytime I had an off season, I tried to coach as much as I could. Um, And that was just kind of, um, I I, I guess you could call it a, a deliberate pathway I took. And I suppose, you know, what's
0: paramount today in today's youth development is instilling that curiosity in modern day players. I mean, back then from 15 years of age, if you back then, I mean, were taking such a reflective stance I'm looking at the game from a 360 degree view point. I suppose it makes makes perfect sense that would prolong your, play, prolong your playing days, am I correct in saying? I mean, us as coaches nowadays and you in your own esteemed position as Director of Player Development at FC Cincinnati, I mean, there's a case to be said there. If we can teach players how to correctly think, as opposed to what, you know, years ago, it was always about what players should think. The days of the autocratic culture certainly gone. It's more the players we have that we're producing nowadays. The players that the US are producing nowadays are certainly critical tankers on the pitch. You look at that player profile like Gio Reyna, Brandon Aronson, Christian Kulisic, They really are one of a kind.
1: Yeah, I I think you know I think one of the keys to the modern player now is is self regulation, right? And and there's different things that we create within an environment to, environment to develop that and to develop some of the autonomy that's needed to, to, to be a self-regulator. But I think, I think it was something that I kind of had just maybe, maybe naturally, or maybe because my dad was a coach, but I was a self-regulator in such a way that I I knew where I wanted to go. So I was always reflecting on how to get there, um, be it as a coach or, or as a player. And, and you mentioned, you know, Prolong uh, a, a playing career. Right. Yeah. And, and I actually think, you know, look, I, I probably wasn't the most gifted soccer player out there. Um, but, but I knew, I knew what I was good at and I knew how I could best support my teammates and, and be useful to the team. Right. So that allowed me to have a career because, uh, you know, I know there were a lot of better players out there than me that didn't have a career and did, didn't make it as professionals for whatever reason. But I do think a lot of it has to do with your ability to self-regulate and your ability to come back and say, you know, to reflect and say, this is what I need to get better at. This is what I need to learn. This is this is where I can best serve. Um, and then to put some of those plans in, in action, what you need to do. Um, and I certainly wasn't easy for me because i certainly had my setbacks along the way but but i tried to learn from each each of those setbacks best i could and try to implement those learnings that i got from it and try to improve on it and
0: is that self-regulation is that a one-size-fits-all should it be player ownership or should it be led by the coach initially
1: well that's a really good question i think i i think it happens differently for every person you know I think I think everybody has. Sometimes I call I call it an ignition, and I think everybody is ignited by different things at different times. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's a simple word from a person that you respect that all of a sudden hits home and goes, "Oh wow, yeah." You know, and that's that's just your ignition to begin thinking in a different way. Um, but but I but I do certainly think there's something to a person being. Um, the summation of their experience right Uh, be it an experience from from age zero to age 10 or age zero to age 60 you know i i think i think along the way there's different ignition points but it's certainly a summation of all that stuff that that maybe helps to build the self-regulator
0: okay and then larry with that being said I mean, how would you describe your own current role within FC Cincinnati? And maybe just for everybody listening, what does the day-to-day look like?
1: I, I think, yeah, my, my, my current role, my, my best description of it, and, and kind of the reason, the reason I, I enjoy it um, is because I, I, I work in the gap right? I work in the gap between what someone is and what someone can become, right? And, and that's kind of my purpose. That's, that's my why. So that's my job. So every day I need to be thinking about how I can best help everybody I associate with, right? To, to better fulfill their potential. Because, you know, let, let's, let's be honest. If, if, this is, if this is what I think I'm good at, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get better all the time. This is what I think I'm good at. It just happens to be that today I'm, I'm close to a soccer field out here. I'd like to think that the skills that I'm trying to develop can translate to really anything. I may not know, you know, it, it, I may not know the X's and O's of the financial world, but I do think some of my skill sets and some of the the tools that I employ to make a soccer player better translate to the financial world, translate to the business world, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. so ultimately my, my day-to-day is really dealing with things that I, I hope can make our players better.
0: It's a question of perspective though, isn't it? It's how do you quantify and how do you measure success? I mean, mm. I've spoken with you numerous times now, Larry, and other esteemed technical directors, academy directors. From what I can see, at you know a professional clubs such as FC Cincinnati, you guys are playing much more of an infinite game, so to speak. It's not just the short-term results.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that that's definitely a part of developing potential, right? And and I think I've always had a hard a hard time in, in judging success in this world. Uh, There there are some people I I was with someone the other day and I said, okay, so how do you judge success, you know, in an Academy? And they were able to rattle off a few things. And I was like, man, I, I it's hard for me to do that. Right. Because, you know, a, a player, a player graduating from the under 15 team to the under 17 team, as player number 18 on the roster could be a huge success for that player. Whereas others on the outside may look at it and go, he's player 18 on the roster. He's not successful. Well, in his own right, he's very successful, you know? So, so I think, I think it's an individual thing. I think in, in our world, yeah, we're, we're, we're judged by ultimately we're judged by how many players we push through to the first team, you know, that that's what it is but I do think it's an infinite game because we're working on, we're working on so many levels, you know, and, and, and I all, and it doesn't end, does it? It's not like, all right. It's not like you win a game and that game's over. It's very different than that. I I, I don't, I don't feel like there's ever any end in sight.
0: Yeah. But then the other complication is that there's no two clubs. two different academies playing the same infinite game I mean you have external factors then like the environment so to speak
1: Uh, the variables yeah the variables are infinite aren't they in themselves I mean guys like
0: yourself I mean you've been privileged to have worked with the likes of the US men's national team you've worked in different environments like Chicago Fire Portland Timbers now FC Cincinnati at different stages of each of each academy's development yeah, I mean, from your lived experience, I suppose, how crucial a role does environment play in shaping that player?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's critical, right? It, 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 it is, you know. And and when we talk, when you say environment, I think culture, yeah. right? And and when someone says culture, I think environment. I, I think they're they're interchangeable. So I think it is. It is the underpinning of everything we do, because if we get that wrong, then it becomes really, really difficult to maximize potential, right? So, so when I think of environments, I I think about motivation, I think about psychological safety, you know, and, and those things under values, right? And those things underpinning what content we want to teach our methodology of teaching the creation of our pathway you know so i think about i kind of think about you know maybe 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 soft skills and hard skills or maybe eq and iq and and i really think that that the environment and the success within that environment is under is under the foundation is soft skills. The foundation is, you know, emotional intelligence. And, and then you can, and then you can get into the hard skills and then you can get into the content and the curriculum and the methodology and the pathway and all those things. But I really think, like you said, the environment, it, it's it's critical to the cultivation of, of potential.
0: Of course. And with that being said, I mean, what was it like, to enter the doors of FC Cincinnati, you know, building an academy from the ground up, you know, having to shape a philosophy, build a culture, recruit staff, recruit players. What did that process look like?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, and it was one of the things that really drew me to the club. I, I, I really look, like I said before, I I work in the gap. So it's all about something, what something is and what something can become. So, you know, maybe, i maybe some people call that building right and and i enjoy building um so it was great starting from scratch and you know and i i had to first think about building our environment the the starting environment and that you know and that's about the right people um and i and i i came here because i in 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 my interview process i heard a lot of things that were that ticked boxes for me uh, about the culture, about the environment. So what they were trying to build, um, overarching, right? So now when I came in, it was about getting the right people on my team. And that was kind of my first step. And, and, and it was important because if I got that wrong, then it was, it, it, and it's okay to get it wrong. Right. Cause then you have to adjust but I knew if I got that wrong, it would slow things down. And, you know, fortunately I've got it right. I mean, it's not, it's not perfect, but I have really good people around me that are uh, smarter than me, better than me at some things that challenge me uh, always that, um, you know, that make me laugh a whole lot, you know, that are, are happy to have uh, beers together. You know, if, if they happen to have a beer or coffee together, if it's coffee, um, it, it, it's, it's just it's a good team that I'm fortunate enough to have here that allows the other stuff to come really easily. Exactly. I think it makes a huge
0: difference no matter what industry you're in. If you love getting out of bed in the morning obviously going to work and maybe one level above that, if you're with people who obviously respect your competence and they create that kind of psychological safety within the workplace, it's paramount. And then, I mean, what does the FC Cincinnati philosophy look like, Larry? Both on and off the pitch, for developing this talent.
1: Well, we we try to be, we try to pre, be pretty deliberate with everything we do, right? Um, our identity, we've, we've, kind of. There's a few things about our identity. I, I won't go through all of it, but there's a few things about our identity um, that I really like, um, we call it a relentless path, right? So it, and path is an acronym and we, we kind of use it, um, with everything we do and, and, and sorry, what I'm doing right now is I'm just going to my computer. Um, cause I just bear with me for one second. Because I want to, I will share something with you while while we're here, and and I wanted to to word it right. I hope I'm not uh, messing up the podcast here. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, I I wanted to I wanted to I want to share the wording with you because because it's intentional and it's important. So I wanted to make sure I, I I say it the right way. So, and this will this this is our identity within the academy at FC Cincinnati. We like I said, we call it the Relentless Path. Okay. And this, this incorporates who we are on and off the field. And we've kind of phrased relentless as um, we always, we always hunt in defensive transition. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to, we wanted to make our identity visible so that when anybody came to see us, we could say, yeah, we're doing this. This is our identity or not. And then we have to work on it. So relentless has to do with, with, three things okay we we always hunt in defensive transition um we we i'm gonna say always we are always looking for a quick restart and we want to dictate possession and tempo okay so this this has to do with an aggressive mindset okay we think it's better to be aggressive than it is to be passive Right. So, so these are aggressive things. We want to aggressively hunt. And, and where do you see, you can really see that in defensive transition. Um, We always want to be aggressive when we get the ball. So we want to have quick restarts. Right. And then we want to dictate the possession and the tempo. Right. So we want the ball. So this is kind of an aggressive stance for us. That's the relentless piece. So all of our players understand that to be relentless. Now we have our acronym, which is path. And the P stands for problem solver. Very important for us. Um, we want to display that on the field, both collectively and individually, right? So I think often we look at player development. We talk about the individual too often. It, it is also it is also very very much so about the collective. So we want to problem solve as an individual, which which might translate as one one v one, right? Duels, but we also want to problem solve collectively. How do we combine to solve problems? Okay. Um, problem solvers, we want to communicate on the field, right. To solve problems, to organize and to solve problems. Right. And then we always want to have a proactive mindset. What does that translate to? That translates to our transitional moments, let's say, right. We want to be proactive. So as we're attacking, we want to be thinking about how we're going to, how we're going to manage the defensive transition. Okay. So, so these things, you can see how they relate to on the field, our identity, um, the, the A in, in Relentless Path, path the A is an acronym for adventurer. This directly relates to our environment, right? Because we want, we want our players to be adventurers. We want them to take risks. So we want them to play forward. We're looking for our players to play forward. We're looking for our players to always create advantages on the field. And we're looking for our players to display confidence, to display eagerness, to display um, a forward thinking mentality, right? So how do we develop that identity? And I'm kind of I'm going on tangents, but how do, we, how do we identify that identity? How do we develop that identity of an adventurer? Okay, we have to have a psychologically safe environment to allow for a player to be an adventurer because if every time they tried to do something and failed, if we yelled at them, are they ever going to be an adventurer? If it cost us a goal and we got on them about losing the game because it cost us a goal, are they ever going to be an adventurer? No. So it has to relate to our identity. It's very, very important and it's very deliberate. Um, T is for team first. It's about, it's about a service mentality. We, we serve each other. While we do believe in the individual, the individual in our academy is about the individual serving the team. So it's really critical. And, and I found over my career that the more I work to serve someone else, the the more things I get rewarded with, the more things that come back to me. Um, We, we look for team first in our defending mentality. We defend as a collective, right? We, we work together. We we really don't have any let's call them luxury players right everybody has to work for the collective and then team first talks about how we support one another so if i'm if i'm watching a game and a player makes a mistake and another player has a negative comment to that player well then that's not our identity and we point that out right that's team first we don't we don't criticize one another like that that doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations as teammates, but we do because we've created that, that ability to do that within our identity, right? And within our environment. And the last one is um, H is for humble. Uh, and, and I think this is, this is kind of unique. Um, we, we try to embrace imperfection. We want our players to fail and we want them to embrace that. And we want them to learn from failure right? If they're afraid to fail they they, they can't be an adventurer, right? If they're afraid to fail, they can't be humble because if you're oftentimes, if you're afraid to fail, it's ego-based, right? If I'm ego, if I'm egocentric, I'm afraid to fail because I'm always comparing myself with someone else. So I can't fail because I'm, I'm, I'm egocentered. I can't fail. So I won't try new things. I won't adventure. Right. Um, and I won't embrace that failure. So humility allows you to do that. Um, we, we practice within our academy, we, we practice compassion, right? In order to be humble, we have to be able to forgive our teammates when they make mistakes, forgive our coaches when we make mistakes, right? Um, and then the last thing with this idea of humility and being humble is that we really want to be, be grateful for everything we have and everything that we're doing. So we try to express gratuity. Right. So it's, it's one thing to talk about all these things. Um, But then I think it's really important that you are deliberately trying to build them and encourage them. Right. So for instance, with this idea of gratuity, we, we often do things. I I did this with, with one of our youth national teams. Um, Everybody got uh, a a journal, right. And uh, on, on one of our camps, we, we said, listen, we're going to mark down twice a day. We're going to mark down when we see someone else in camp display gratuity, right? Saying thank you or having a nice thing to say about somebody or recognizing somebody for something they've done, right? And, and then we're going to mark down in our journal two things that we want to be grateful for and that we want to show other people, right, in, in camp. And it was an awesome experiment now because I'm going around and I'm trying to find reasons to be grateful and I'm recognizing when other people are being grateful. And it really just builds this culture, right? And this environment around the team that is is pretty unique. And I I talk about this working deliberately to do this, um, because if you don't work deliberately in creating your environment and creating your culture and, and creating your identity, If you don't do it deliberately, there's a vacuum and something always fills the vacuum. And what fills it, you may not be happy with.
0: And that's utterly fascinating, first of all. Sorry, and that was was very
1: long-winded, sorry.
0: (laughs) No, it's really exceptional stuff. For me, you hear so much said and uttered about the psychosocial components of the game. How, How reflective is this philosophy Philosophy you guys have established, albeit the relentless pad at Cincinnati. How closely does that embody the values of the working class, perhaps of the surrounding community, the surrounding area, that blue collar workforce?
1: Is it? Yeah, you, that that that's a, a consideration, a big, consideration right? A that's a consideration. Yeah, that's a consideration to our identity for sure. You know, when when you talk about the relentless, you know, that can be tied into your community, into Midwest blue-collar hardworking values, absolutely. I think that's an important that's an important part to your identity, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's there's certainly you know there's an identity to Brazilian football, yeah. right? You know, there's. I think. Look, I think there was, and and I I do believe like like most everything that your identity evolves right and connor you made mention to like the u.s national team and some of the the young talent that's coming through the the u.s national team now um yeah i think our identity as as a footballing nation is is evolving as well you know i think if you go back 20 years i i would i would think that if anybody was to say, what's the identity of, of an American soccer team, you know, and it was hardworking. Yeah, I mean, cause that's what we had that we could rely on, you know? And, and that brought, you know, whatever our level of success, it was driven by our hard work. Um, and I don't think you ever wanna lose that, but I think now we're growing more things, right? And we're, we're beginning to develop more of an identity you know and and it's building on maybe that hard work we hope it builds on that hard work but now we can build different pieces to our I- identity and and our cu- our country and and our culture in the united states is very different because it is such a melting pot um, man that that we're i think we're just scratching the surface on what our identity as a national team is
0: well i do too having lived in the states and just even following the U.S. men's national team and the women's team, their progress from the fair. You look at the stylistic fit of the team, you look at the current coaches, what they're trying to do, compared yeah, yeah. to the likes of 10 years ago, physically, the size of the U.S. men's national team players, it's very, very drastically different compared to what was seen at the 26th World Cup in Germany, the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. But just to get back to what we said earlier on, Larry, about bringing true homegrown players, that really is priceless, having one of your own, two, three of your own on the, that pitch, wearing that FC Cincinnati badge in the MLS. I mean, look at Barcelona, La Masia. The yeah. reverence, those guys are st- will always forever be held in by the fans, by the coaching staff, by their counterparts. Chelsea, as a Chelsea fan myself, watching them win a Champions League, with yeah. five or six coming straight through from Cobham. Absolutely huge. Possibly yeah. the achievements ever in a club's history yeah. i mean you can't put a price on that can you
1: you can't no you can't because that's connection yeah right and and, and ultimately you know you you talk you, you spoke about the psychosocial aspect of 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 what we do uh, there is a huge psychosocial aspect to to um supporters right? And fans of the game and the community around your club. It's massive. I mean, you know, in England, it's, uh, you know, so much more than it is here. We're beginning to develop that though, right? That is coming and it's pretty organic. And, And I think, you know, as human beings, we all look for this connectedness, right? And this is something that as, as a modern coach, we need to be aware of because this, this, as much as we're talking about, you know, supporters right now. And the, connect- the the connectedness to the club through homegrown players, right? It's massive. There's also the, how do you form that connectedness with players within a team within a club? Right. I think all those things are really, really important. And it's, this is what makes, I think this is what makes the game of football really pretty unique. You know, um, I, I can't, I don't know. I can't think of another sport really, you know, and I'm thinking the U S and, and, you know, I I don't know. Are there other sports that you have like homegrowns that come through an academy system into a first team? We don't have that in any other sport here in the States, Uh, you know, maybe, maybe rugby, maybe in some places, you know,
0: Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, of course, other sports always, you know, other sports like football, like our own sport, have pros and cons. But I think certainly in terms of what football is able to do to society, to bound people together by share by wearing a similar coloured jersey, it's really incredible. I mean, the game stopped civil wars in the likes of Africa, the likes of Asia. It's brought millions together worldwide. And I think even tonight, interviewing yourself, Larry, or speaking with you on this podcast, I have tons of questions I could ask about you know, KPIs, analytics, where does that fit in? But I think at the end of the day, really, as you said earlier on, it comes down to the soft skills. And you yeah. look at players coming through the ranks now, it's stuff you can't measure. It's like resilience, determination. Um, Brendan Rogers at Leicester City, he always speaks about the player that comes through is the silver medalist. It's not the gold medalists from when they're 13, 14, 15. Arsene Young yeah. speaks about the train of youth development players get off the train every year. Other players come on. But if you stay on the train long enough and show perseverance and determination, you'll eventually come true. I mean, yeah. how crucial a role does this play in youth development?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's critical, isn't it? And so go back to some of the things I was, I was talking about before, about this idea of embracing failure, right? Um, it... That aspect, you mentioned perseverance, resilience, right? That aspect is critical to the long-term success of a player, right? I don't know any player that's made it to the first team level that hasn't shown great resilience and that at some point hasn't had to rebound from adversity, right? I, I, I don't know of any players made it to the highest level that has had this linear trajectory you know, from youth soccer straight through to the pros, um, and and if they're out there, my guess is as soon as they face adversity, because they haven't built that resilience along the way, it it is, um, it's life changing, and often results in catastrophe, right? So you think about the player who's always made the top team all the time and then finally gets to the first team and is not selected how they deal with that it's often a, a traumatic moment in their life right and they don't recover for it from it because they haven't learned the skills right along the way to to grow resilience and yeah certainly you you can't you can't grow resilience without experiencing failure without experiencing setback because it's all about it's all about the reaction to that so this is why i mean within our identity we want to there i mean sidetrack there are a lot of of the most successful businesses in the world now that actually go out and try to fail fast because they believe that's how they learn fast and then they could grow exponentially from that so This is, you know, I think it's kind of modern thinking. I'm not so sure that 25, 30 years ago, you'd be hearing this type of stuff. Um, But I I think it's critical in in growing resilience and, and we really want to embrace that for sure.
0: And how does that look within the academy environment? Is that something which you'd look players to go through on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, seasonal to go through that adversity?
1: Yeah. It's, it is different. It's individual. It's different with every player. Right. Um, but a simple example could be, um, a player who's, you know, on our 17s that has started five games in a row. Right. Now there's going to be a conversation with that player that they're not going to start the next game. And you have a conversation, you know, why they're not going to start. Um, Maybe it's because someone else has to start, so now they have to learn the skills of supporting a teammate, right? And serving a teammate. And how how am I serving that teammate? I'm serving that teammate by giving up my spot today for him to grow, for him to play, for him to have an opportunity. Um, that's a little bit different, isn't it? You know, that's that's a little bit different. And then there's there's, you know, there are players that that are that are released at the end of a season, right? And within the academy, it's really important how we deal with that. The And this is why academies have regular evaluations with players and regular discussions with players. But I think one of the places that many academies, and I'm guilty myself, um, fall short, is when that player is released, it's thank you very much and goodbye. And I, I, I've come to really feel badly about that, you know, and, and, and we're trying to employ some different strategies where there's actual, actually follow-up with that player, not just, not just follow-up to see if he's becoming better again when he goes back to his old club. Is he improving and, and is he somebody that we want to bring back in the academy? Not just from that standpoint, but from the actual caring standpoint, you know, checking in two weeks later, how are you doing? How are you dealing with this? You know, what can we do to help? checking in a month later, how are things going? Are you doing all right? Are you emotionally okay? How are things going at your new club? So I think these are different things that, that <clears throat> you know, aid in the growth of resilience, um, aid, help to grow an environment that we talked about, an environment where we actually care for the player as a person and not just as a player and not just as an asset, but actually as a person and ties into the idea of holistic development. Um, yeah, I think it's critical that we're, we're thinking these ways. And these are different ways of thinking for sure.
0: It all goes back to what you said earlier on, though, about having that ability to self-regulate. You know, it's not just for the players, it's for the coaches, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, Connor. So this is not the person. I am not the coach I was 10 years ago. Hmm. I, I, you know, are, are there still some things in, in the toolbox of that coach that I was 10 years ago? that I sometimes go in and dig out. Yes. But probably not that many, <laughs> you know, as I look back, I go, man, I, I don't, I'm not so sure. I liked that guy. I was 15 years ago. You know, I, I know as when I retired from playing and went into the coaching end of things, man, I was probably not a very good coach at the time. I thought I was really good, but now I look back, I probably wasn't really good because man, it was, it was all about winning. It was all about ego. It was, it was all about driving players and um, yeah. And I, 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 I had it wrong, you know, maybe I had it right for a couple players that connected and related, but I don't think I, I certainly, I certainly didn't have the, 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 the toolkit to help everybody to develop. Um, and, and, and I believe now I'm, I'm I'm not close to the finished product, but I believe now at least I I care more about the development of every player, not just the player that's going to be on the first team.
0: What you said earlier on as well rings about that gap between what is and what can be, from a coach's perspective, and um, like someone like yourself who's been on that journey, that constant kind of journey of discovery of evolution throughout your career. What coaches I mean, what questions should coaches be asking themselves if they want to bridge that gap and be an effective developer of young talent?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think just like we develop talent, right? When when we're looking as, as player developers, we're looking at a player not and and not seeing him today. We're looking at a player and seeing him five years from now, yeah, six years from now, 10 years from now, right? And that guides us right? That's, that's, that's kind of our compass to where we want to go and how we want to help that player grow. And that's constantly, that compass is constantly being pushed out, right? I think the same, the same is true. um, The same is true uh, as, uh, as a coach. I think, you know, there are, there are really great role models out there as coaches, you know, right now that are employing some of the things that we're talking about here, Connor, and, and are finding tremendous success. And by success, I mean the low-hanging fruit of success, right? And when I say when when, when I say, and we were talking about success before, well, the low-hanging fruit of success is wins and losses. That's the low-hanging fruit, right? unfortunately for the masses it's the low-hanging fruit that people are judged by right so so thank god that some of these guys that are the the jesse marshes out there you know what i mean the low-hanging fruit is is coming through too you know so now people are looking at jesse and go man he's so successful he's so successful well, okay. They're looking at the low hanging fruit, you know, getting to the champions league, moving to Leipzig. Now, you know, he his pathway is coming, but let's, let's look at, you know, the picture of the iceberg, you know, the little bit above the water and the big bit below, let's look at the big bit below that's that's leading to Jesse's success that that everybody sees in the wins and losses, because that's where all the hard work is, you know, and that's where all the growth is. And that's where all the reflection is. Um, and that's why it's it's really cool to see like Jesse succeed because, because all of us that, that are learning to believe the same things that Jesse believes, you know, um, it, we, we gain credibility, you know, from that.
0: Of course. But we've seen players make the jump to Europe, Larry, with devastating effect, albeit recently too. Can coaches join Jesse Marsh on that journey to Europe? Can coaches domesticated in the U.S.? Previously, wouldn't have gone abroad. Can they make that jump to Europe and embark a similar
1: path? For sure, if, if the opportunity is there, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and so just like a player, a player is brought into an academy and gets the opportunity. Um, you know, Jesse got brought into the Red Bull family. You know, and and that created opportunity, that created exposure. And obviously he showed his talent clearly. Right. Um, and, and, and that allowed him to kind of this propel himself. Um, it, yeah. It's about finding that opportunity, you know, and, and, and I, there will be because of Jesse. Right. Um, and others there, there will be more opportunity, I think for American coaches overseas as time goes on. And, and look, and I, and I think, I think the idea that there are more and more players going overseas now and finding success, American players going overseas and finding success, that trickles back to coaches as well. You know, and, and I think as, as American players begin to gain more respect in Europe, I I think that has a knock on effect to coaches also, you know? So I I'd love to see that. Um, I also think uh, I also think it takes a great deal of courage for American coaches to give it a go in Europe too. You know, um, uh, you know, where's there's courage. Can can somebody can somebody learn a new, a new language and go and do they have the perseverance, the courage, the resilience to go and start in the sixth division in Spain? You know, and battle through. I think those, those days are coming. Those yeah. days are
0: coming. I think the same opportunities are out there for everyone. It's just, it'd be a pity to see your good friend Jesse's legacy not being followed up upon, if you get what I mean. I mean, what he's done is absolutely terrific within Europe and making yeah. that jump up to Red Bull Leipzig this summer, which will be extraordinary to watch next season, will be an awful pity not to see other coaches following his footsteps and make that jump to Europe. I mean, I was going to ask you and um, Larry what does success.
1: But, that, but but that comes back. That comes back to the low hanging fruit. Well, yeah. Right. The more guys that that can can get that low hanging fruit of success, and then get the opportunity, and then be successful. <clears throat> now the pathway just keeps keeps going. Right. Yeah. So often. <clears throat> yeah. I often. I often. Um, it, Sometimes before you can be a prolific success, you have to be a prolific failure. You know, sometimes you just got to go and you got to fail and fail and fail over and over again before you can eventually find that that great success. You know, and it may take it may take years and years. Right. Because the next few that follow Jesse, maybe they fail. And, and, you know, and that slows down the course a little bit, but then the next one that goes and succeeds and perseveres will open more doors. And eventually, eventually the pathway will be there.
0: Of course. Um, I was going to ask, Larry, what does success mean for you in your role at FC Cincinnati? But I think after a discussion, I think a better question would be to ask, I mean, what do you hope your legacy will be? What, what will it look like in 10, 15 years at FC Cincinnati?
1: Huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope I hope the legacy is is built to the culture and tied to the environment uh, and the climate that we we create, I hope, around the entire organization. Right. Um, I I'd, I'd love, you know, if if you put a model in front of me and said, you know, what would you like FC, FC Cincinnati to look like? And, and, and I can point to a really good picture is like Bilbao, right? I, I'd love us to be known as this, this culture, this environment that just produces players from, from our academy, from a market, from Cincinnati that moved through to the first team. Um, and that, that would be an awesome, awesome legacy and done the right way you know, um, in, in, in,
0: with an identity,
1: right. Within an environment. Um, yeah, that would be an awesome legacy for sure.
0: And finally to close Larry for, I mean, any coaches out there, be they in the U S be they Irish, be they in Europe or wherever, wishing to embark on a similar journey to your, as yourself, what advice would you have for them?
1: Hey, I, you know what? Trust yourself. That's what I would say. Trust yourself and 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 always work to prepare for what might be next. I mean, that's that's I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good model.
0: Mary Sunderland, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on.
1: Thanks, Connor. I I really, really enjoy speaking with you. And uh, it's always great to share ideas and, and just, you know, talk football and and player development, people development. Of course. Let's get round to in the books. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely.